Man, this podcast thing is getting fun, and I'm really enjoying some of this we're getting to do with different people. And so, guess who's back? Rob Huddleston's back again for another episode of Taking the Reins. And in this episode, he and I again, we're just sitting down in the barn talking like two guys would in the barn after a hard day's work. And uh, we just got to a really good conversation about the good old days and how we train horses and the product that comes from intensive training. And so through some of these really basic stories, uh, you're going to gain some experiences that Rob and I have had that I think that have shaped our lives pretty well. And, and some of them are funny. I think we're both really honest in this. And so I think you'll really enjoy what we have to talk about in this episode of Taking the Reins. From Mississippi State University in Starkville, Mississippi, this is Taking the Reins Podcast. If you love all things horses, get ready for a relatable and educational look into the lives of horses and the people who love them. Now here's our host, Clay Cavender. Bad. You need glasses? I need glasses bad. I had cataract surgery this spring. You had cataract surgery? Yes, sir. I was 20 in my right eye, 400 in my left. I don't even know what that means, but well, twenty—that's how many times twenty. That's that would be like. So this eye was looking at twenty times zero, or twenty times one, right? This eye was looking at twenty times twenty to, to see the same. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. I I didn't eat until like just a year or two ago. So I woke up one day and was like, man, I need glass. I can't see this. I can't really read my phone. Has to. I know. That's why I'm, I made fun of my, all my friends that had the big print. They had the big print on their phones because the tech, the text had to be big print. Yeah. Now I'm one of them. Like old people. We are old people. You said we are old people? We're getting there. <laughs> it does. I still feel like I'm 16 sometimes. The same age. It's funny, we were just talking a minute ago about how so horse training tips and tricks, you can get them anywhere. Mm -hmm. YouTube's a great resource. Like, this is no joke. Two years ago, my... Are you on? Yeah. Okay. My washer uh, started making this really loud sound. I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not a handyman at all. Don't know nothing. Okay. Well, I told my wife, I was like, I think the uh, bearing's going out in that washer. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know nothing. Well, she calls, she knows I don't know nothing, so she calls a handyman. A handyman comes over, hands me a bill for a hundred dollars, and says your uh, bearings going out. <laughs> so, so uh, I said, "Great. Well, how much is it going to be? Fix this thing. Seven hundred fifty bucks. Seven hundred fifty dollars to replace the bearing in this front and load wash." Let me guess. You can YouTube the whole thing. So me being me, I said, well, dang, 750 bucks, can I buy a new washer? He's like, yeah, pretty dang close. So I, t I told my wife, I said, I don't know nothing, but hey, here's a chance, an opportunity. I get on YouTube, look this up. I tear this thing up. What's the big deal? We got to buy a new washer, right? So we're in the same position. So anyway, get on there, find this video, order the part. It was a $200 part tore this washer completely apart i mean in the garage sides off tops off fronts off drums out uh all the balancing device out it's impressive put the replacement in stuck it all back together based on a youtube video that was two years ago that washer's still going now i did have three screws left 
<laughs> and I don't know where they came from. That's why I don't do that stuff. But I, I, have, I, I put $200, $150, whatever it was on the part, and I have got that washer still. Wow. So I say that story because training horses when we were a kid, we were just talking a minute ago, just chit-chatting, and you were talking about Western Horsemen. Mm-hmm. I can remember the Quarter Horse Journal was a big deal. My dad kept them all. He kept them in sacks. I don't know why he did that, but he had every Quarter Horse Journal for I did that too. 25 years and they had tips and tricks and stuff in there but now you get more than that i have i have them from 75 to 18 maybe so you kept them too yeah i mean i I didn't keep all those somebody was going to throw them away and 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 so i said well we'll take them because when when catherine gets done with the uh with the lounge at the end of the arena here we're going to Get, like have a library like a yeah, I think it'd be pretty neat to have 40 30 or 40 years worth of quarter horse journals yeah be on, on library but you you could find stuff pretty easy uh now obviously versus yeah. back then you had to kind of you were at the you were at the discretion of the editor right like it might be showmanship is what the articles were but right. it was limited well we would always get the western horsemen and I've got some paperback western horsemen that show you how to hobble a, a wild horse to shoe it. Stuff that you wouldn't put out there today, it may not be acceptable, but you don't want anybody to sue you because they went out and tried that. Right. right? Um, and it was, I've got some and they're, I mean, it's awesome. They had a whole book on shoeing horses, a whole book on breaking horses, a whole book on that stuff because it was, uh, it wasn't just a colorful magazine at the time. It was actually instructional. It was really cool. And the like the Art of Raining with Bob Loomis. You ever read that book? Yeah, I have it in my, my office. And that was great. And the Al Dunning Raining yep. books where he was yep. had expensive hobby. Um, uh, oh, uh, I'm just going blank. Had a cut and, had the same series. It was a cutting book. Uh, Bill, Bill Freeman. Yeah. Yeah. I never read that one. Probably should have. It's a good one. <laughs> You know, I tell my pe- people all the time, like my classes, you know what I learned the most out of that Loomis uh, writing book? I learned the most out of, he talks in there about um, uh, confirmation mm-hmm. and the trapezoid. Trapezoid, yep. And I, I, I took that to heart. Like I read that and I was like, yep. dang, that is great perspective. And it's been 20 years ago since so I read it. But it was, but my, my point is about the information is that back then you had to have the money, you had to mail a check to this company. And it was six weeks delivery, and and you would ha- you had just had to wait, and then there I mean there weren't any videos that other than going to the 4-H office there weren't any quality videos, and if there were they just that wasn't really that instructional but you had to get that book the best video to me was the Larry Rose when he was in New Mexico a little wild a little rough but you got time for a story we got <laughs> so, time. Uh, I went to the Joe Cody Classic in Catasauqua, Pennsylvania, and there's an old guy sitting there. And we didn't we didn't have a reining horse at the time, but for whatever reason, my mother flew me up there, and we just hung out for a few days. And actually, Trashadeus was there, and Miss Fisty Joe. And that's the only time all year that Trashadeus got beat. Rocky Dare was riding Miss Fisty Joe and won the Open. That was really cool. And then it rained, and it was. If you've never been there, that's the horse show to go to in the rain. Other than that, in Arab, Alabama. But so there's, I just sat there and watched all day, and this this, this old 
older guy sitting in a chair, and he says, uh, "Hey, you uh, you like reining?" I said, "Yes, sir." He said, "You want to be a horse trainer?" Said, yes, sir. I guess. He said, uh, "Are you going to be here tomorrow?" I said, "Yes, sir. I'll be here tomorrow." And he brought me all the Larry Rose videos from New Mexico the next day, and he had. I guess his wife or him videotaped with a VHS, like the old ones you put on your shoulder, about a six-hour, maybe eight-hour clinic of uh, Bob Loomis and Dick Peeper. So were these on, were these on VHS or DVD? Yes, VHS. And and he he the next day I saw him and he had them there, and I probably learned as much about horse training watching the Larry videos as you know w without going and riding with somebody. That and the Al Dunning book and the Bob Loomis book, but the Larry Rose video is. So that's how you, that's how we gathered information in the past, right? Yeah. Now we got social media stuff, so it's easy. It's, it's out there. In it's front. crazy, and man. People you, know less about horses now than they have in the history of man. Well, I yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that because I don't think a lot of people grow up in that. So this just osmosis. I think a lot of us that grow up in a barn, you just learn right. learn some stuff, right? So there's a definite difference between uh, me hanging out with you from the time I'm six years old to 18 and go to college and learn right. in the barn versus getting on youtube and looking at it however i think social media obviously youtube has its place in the concept of education and learning because mm -hmm. you but can find anything you can find anything and that's the problem what if the, what if the video you're watching is some guy that is out there trying to get views on there and and he's wrong you gotta be selective what, what if he's wrong I've seen some of them. Not that I can do a great video. I don't mean like that. But w what if, you know, like one time I watched Pat Pirelli, okay? He's made a lot of money. I mean, that's respectable. And obviously, I think he won the herd work on a mule one time to snap a bit dirty. I think. And I and don't know that, but that is impressive if that That's happened. impressive. I, I think so. And then that's when they made a rule that you can't show a mule in the snap a bit anymore. But... So, I mean, obviously, he's, he's a good horseman, got to be. But he's out here lunging a horse, and he's holding the rope right here in his chest, and the horse just keeps going around and gets closer and closer and closer. It's like wrapped him around his arms and everything. How dangerous is that? And then he flicks his head, the horse reverses, and he gets further and further away. So he had, like, coils around his body. That mummified himself. Yeah, and, and I was like, man... Some, I promise you, somewhere somebody went to the hospital, or worse, trying to recreate by watching that. that video. Yeah, trying to recreate it. Yeah. Well, I see it all the time in class too. Like I'm, I'm teaching, um, uh, training, getting these yearlings fit for sale with the university, and you can tell people something exactly how it needs to be done, and then they divert to what they know. Yes. They go out there and they just divert to something silly, right. and you have to constantly re recorrect. But social media has definitely given us a platform to to disperse information, gather information. If you want to, if I want to know how to um, uh, rebuild the engine in a '65 Camaro, I bet it's you right can there. YouTube it. Right I, I actually know this is no joke. I know a guy who built a house off YouTube, plumbing, electricity, the whole gamut <laughs> off of YouTube. Wow! And so it's all the information's there. Uh, so what do you think? I know that I think I know the answer to this question, but what do you think is the difference between how come some people can take? Uh, I, I tell you, this video series is great. 
that I learned a ton from. Andrea. Andrea Fapani. Andrea, yeah. Put together yeah. a two-year-old series, a three-year-old yes. series, and a mature aged horse series, and they are fantastic. I got a funny story about Andrea. It won't take long. So <laughs> I watched the video series, bought them, watched them, and I've loaned them out to somebody that's never brought them back. But and I saw him one night at the fraternity. It's like one or two o'clock in the morning, and I'd never met him before. And he's intense at night. He's intense all the time. Turns out later, um, after this, that, you know, we can sit and talk horses, and it's that guy's a horse trainer. Absolutely. Like, like horse yeah. trainers, horse trainer. I mean, look what he's done, the snaffle bit stuff, or NRCHA. After, I mean, he's just a horse trainer, horse trainer. And, and I can walk up to him today, and I don't know if he'd remember my name or not, but he would remember my face and remember the conversations that we had. And you can, I can sit there and have a horse training conversation with him on that level, right? Anyway, so I'll, we're in the Jim Norick Arena. You go down the – no, you don't go down – you didn't go down the chute. This is when they had the old sideways warm-up pen. You remember that? Mm -hmm. With the wood around it. And uh, and I saw him, and I said, hey, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Rob Huddleston. And, and he's like, hey, I'm Andre Fapani. You know, I said, I, I watched your videos – and that's really good. I appreciate you taking that time and effort. And, like, that's probably, and this is after Larry, of course, that's probably the best horse training video series. Like, somebody can watch that and go train horses. And he looked down at my horse. And he looked down at my little splint boots hat on. And he said, you had not had them very long, have you? Haven't had the videos very long? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just walked off. It was terrible. <laughs> Well, you but you just said it. So how how come you can watch those videos or a video, and you can glean the information you need, and yet there's a lot of people who can watch that and can't even get close to recreating or mimicking some of the tips and drills and exercises he's doing. I, I think you have to learn feel. You have to learn feel. You you, you have to find it. And some people haven't. Some people don't. I mean, some people need to be beating on a drum, you know, instead of, you know, playing the violin with their eyes closed. Right. Like, you have to spend time in the saddle. And I think so many people want to do this one day a week. And this is not a one day a week thing to be good at it. Whatever good is to you. Does that make sense? Yes. And that was kind of I said a minute ago, I think I know the answer to this. And, and I want to hear your answer first. My answer would be just that. So anything you do with horse training and the horse mm -hmm. has got to be repetitive and consistent. Without being predictable. Exactly. And and I think with Fapani, so I'll give you an example. Remember on Fapani's tapes. So so I'll back up a tick. When I, when I lo looked for this information, what I was looking for in his video was, uh, this has been 15, 20 years ago, is how to put on a lead change. Mm -hmm. And I was just really starting to kind of create my own stuff, ride my own stuff and do my own thing and the cow horse and the um, the ranch horse stuff. And I, I was struggling with the lead change. Well, Nancy Cahill lived down the road, uh, Madisonville from me for years. And I went over and rode with her and she's a lead change and queen. Right. Uh, horse woman of the year, time or two, and just a great and horse And a good woman. producer too. Absolutely. Clint she's got it awesome. all, all down there. <laughs> but she showed me how she changed leads. And I couldn't reproduce it. it. It did not work for me. So I was still on the hunt. 
in that video series with Apani, he his it's so simple. Mm -hmm. He never breaks them down to a trot, mm -hmm. switches their hip, moves them off to the least. Stay right there. He puts them. He teaches them how to counter canter, and then he counter canters into a uh, into a corner, comes in a straightaway. Sets him up for the lead change, switches his legs. Of course, mm -hmm. they don't change because they don't know, but they've got this there. leg on them on the side they're loping on. Right. And then he basically, simplistically, I know it sounds crazy, but he, he runs him around the arena. He stays there. Well, the centrifugal force of each corner is going to pull that horse to the inside lead. Mm -hmm. Now, let me back up to mine. So I watch this. I get it. The concept makes complete sense because the moment they change leads, he quits riding. Mm-hmm. Makes complete sense to me. Yeah. Right things easy, wrong things difficult. So I go out there. I got this little two-year-old um, smart little scoot. I'm starting. Got her counter counter like a machine. Great. I go into the corner. I set him up perfect. I change legs. Doesn't change. Okay. Thing actually starts speeding up. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times people get upset, like, well, he's speeding up. Well, speeding up is an answer. You, you've you asked a question, they've, they're providing an answer. In this instance, this thing's almost running off. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm going to keep, I'm going to ride. Wherever the release is, that's what they learn. Well, lap 11, I was doubting myself quite well. Uh, about lap 15, I was about ready to get, I'm, I'm not kidding you, lap 15, this thing is running on the wrong lead <laughs> around the arena. Uh, lap 17, she switches in a corner. And you talk about Relates. happy because I, yeah. I didn't have to ride that thing anymore. I was yeah. sweating, tired, yeah. Yeah. doubting myself. But then the next day, did the same thing, took about 14 laps. Next day, did the same thing, took 10 laps. Before you know it, you know, a week, 10 days in, this yeah. thing was two laps, one lap, immediate. Yeah. and became a fantastic lead change. So my point of the story is this. Most people will quit lap one of day one. Oh, I see it all the time. They, they get uncomfortable riding. They don't ride enough. You have to ride. I've been riding since I was four years old. What they, what they asked Tiger Woods, or was it Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan, one of them said, I wish I could do what you do as good as you do. And they're like, no, you don't. Where were you this morning at 5 o'clock? You know, Swinging that, a golf club? Those guys don't go out there to the driving range on Saturday afternoon. They're out there every day. And, uh, and I think you have to practice that back to finding the field. Back to you didn't give up in that situation you were talking about. You stayed there until you got what you wanted and you released. And I, I would imagine that horse ended up being a good lead changer later. Very. And, and I use that every year. I start a new one. I start a new series of lead chain. I do the same thing. Yeah. And then I start teaching clinics and I would tell people this con and I would show them. Yeah. And it, it does. So here's what's funny about that story too, is that, that horse took 17 laps to get it the first time. Sequential. You counted 17 laps. Oh, dude, I was, I was hanging on for dear life. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was, they went by fast. How many laps would it take for you to quit? <laughs> That's a great question. If you know me, I don't quit. I'm too stubborn. That's right on. Uh, That's cool. But other horses took three laps, two yeah. laps, five laps in the same amount of time. And but but the difference was this is why I tell students too I'm riding with. I built confidence through seeing it work because I didn't give up. Right. I tell them how to collect a horse or get in the bridle or get one soft to get them off your hand, and they try it two times. It doesn't work, so they quit and they don't try it again. 
And I think that's the the repetition, the consistency part is what we're what we're talking about. Yeah. And and you have to be like when you see this is on subject, maybe it's not, but to me it is. When you see a guy like we were talking about Andrea a minute ago, very intense individual. Mm-hmm. You have to be. You know? I mean, I guarantee you you're counting seventeen circles running around the wrong lead and this thing's got his head upside down and you don't know if he's gonna crash into something. You have to be not afraid to get hit, like what you're talking about MMA. You can't be scared to get hit. You gotta get in there and do it. And you gotta find a release. And I'm not saying to be you're not being abusive, but you gotta be in there. Hey, here's where your way out is and then you end up with a horse with a quiet tail and good ears and if he knows where that hole is. That's what I call it, getting in the hole. You gotta mm-hmm. climb out of the hole. There it is. Well the other thing too is like in that situation the horse is running off i think you got to pick your battles too like at that moment of time uh worrying about that horse's face worrying about his speed worrying about collection worrying mm-hmm. about the, that was not what i was after i'm after yeah. one thing and that's changed leads and then we move on to something yeah. else so my my cow horse education is getting better i showed two three-year-olds a couple weeks ago and i didn't do as well as i wanted to but but it was better than I had been doing. So um, that's all I try to t- tell myself, just get better every day, you know. Zeke Entz, he's, he's a buddy of mine. He trains cutting horses. He's a, and he just, crossed the, he just crossed the $2 million mark, by the way, NCHA. We need to get him on. Yeah, well, we can get him. He's a cool dude. Intense does not describe. <laughs> I call him the dentist, but... Uh, <laughs> He's because uh, his name is Dennis, but um, what a cool dude, intense. But he was telling me about when when I'm going out and I'm working the flag or working the cow, like this layer, this is the first layer. You have to get this. It's like a cake, one layer. You put a little icing or cream or whatever, another layer. Put a little something, and you, you don't write your name on top of the cake until all those layers are ready to go. It's a great analogy. You know, until they're all ready to go and you can't rush it. You know, like I, I think I mentioned earlier about, well, when is he going to be ready to show? I don't know. I don't know. But if you want me ready, you want him ready to show and you want him ready to show, he might be ringing his tail by then and we don't want that. So, you know, I've re- doubted myself a lot of times in that capacity because I'm like you. I, I don't show 15 of them. I show one at a time here and there. But, um, I overdo it. I would rather I get like I want this thing dang near perfect before I go take him somewhere and embarrass myself. That's, yeah, I don't want to do that. I'd rather, and then I get there and I'm like, dang, this thing's good. Yeah, that's. I'd rather be in that position than yeah. I wish we'd stayed home. Uh, and all those fraternity horses that that I've ridden over the years, and a lot of them went on. I mean, nobody knows I ever had them. That's fine. When I was talking about earlier about hey, that's my personal accomplishment training several that make the level four finals y'all don't have to know that's fine with me well so with youtube let's go back to this topic about youtube there is a difference in you put something out on youtube let's say you put a training video out on youtube or or training concept now that's the other thing too is like Fapani's there's if i remember right there's three dvds in that thing and they're like an hour and 15 minutes a piece you know uh today i don't think people will watch it uh, Unfortunately, I don't yeah. think people will watch it. I think they're looking for yeah. three to five minutes at the most. Maybe. Oh, I heard this the other day. Grad student told me this. 
Do you know what the average time uh, attention span people have on their phones? Eight minutes. Like three seconds. No kidding. They're swiping, and I don't do TikTok and all that stuff, but they're swiping through videos that quick. So if you don't capture their attention within three to five seconds, they're moving on to the next thing. And then with artificial intelligence, say if you blow it up, that's I think that's when they know what you're looking at. You blow it up. Then, oh, they're paying attention. Right. I don't know how they know that. Well, there's probably a lot of things we don't need to know. No. <laughs> but no. when you make a training video of that, you're making a high-end thing, too, because your mind's working, too. Yeah. How to make the turnaround better. So you start, There's a market out there, don't you think, for just real simple stuff like we're trying to do. You've been helping me with uh, horse hacks. You know, We're just doing simple yeah. stuff, how to tie a rope halter, how to put on a cinch the correct way, right. how to take it off the correct way, whatever it may be. Right. I think there's a huge market for the basic concept grassroots education for horse people out there don't you think absolutely I, I really take people off a lot when they come in here and they're walking on the wrong side of the horse they don't open the stall door enough to get the horse out they walk to the back of the stall to catch him that's a no-no he better come to the door how do we do that well, we'll show you or they walk up, like I said earlier, they walk to the door and they want to shoo the horse in and he hits himself and he doesn't lead in. And, or, or when you do lead the horse in, turn him around and every time you go in the stall, turn him around to where you're between him and the door. And then check his water bucket. Check his, I mean, check all, I mean, you just have to look all the time, pay attention. You can see or my if, face or right if, now. Or, if, or if he if he uh, defecates in the wash rack, clean it up. Don't just clean it leave up. it. You don't know? wash it down the drain. Right. Don't wash it down the drain. There's uh, not a septic tank down there. I, I'm teaching my yearling class right now, and I'm teaching these kids how to set these horses up. We're fixing to do prof, uh, professional pictures for the sale. And my pet peeve is when I have to get out there and sweat for an hour to get one stood up to get him the picture the correct way. You know a good way to do that? Well, I make them do it by hand and teach these suckers whoa. And a lot of times I'll see, I'll see them switch. Like they'll go from the right hand leading the thing, yeah, and they'll switch to put it in their left hand. And it's those little things like, listen, y'all, you know, you, the basic concepts is, you know, it, we're not showing cattle, we're showing yeah. horses, and uh, it's just little things. I think it's easy for you, especially higher end trainers, to get this concept of we need to focus on speed transitions in large, fast, small, slow circles when the mat, and that's a, probably a 10% of our horse population needs that information. There's a need mm -hmm. for that. Well, But there's 80% that need, how do I put the halter on the correct way? They need that. But yeah. to, to back up to your, your lead change, when you were talking about learning that on the video from Andrea, you knew where your horse's feet were. That's that so feel. If somebody comes and rides with me and I tell them, long, go, go long trot, okay? Tell me when his right hind foot is off the ground. Hey, look, you need to know where it is. It's in time with his left front foot. You need to know that. You're in a right lead rundown. I want his left hind behind his right front. Can't feel that. Well, then you can't change leads yet. Right. It's baby steps. It's layers of the cake. You need to be able to tell me right, left, like a three beat a gate. What is it? Okay. Yeah. Right, you're in left lead, right hind, left hind, right front, left front. Now, when do you change leads? You ask them to change leads when the left front's on the ground because all the, the other three feet are off the ground. If you don't do that, Rocky Dare. I mentioned Rocky earlier with Miss Fisty Joe. When I worked for Kebra, 
we had 17 two-year-olds, and Miff Dahl was in that group. You know that, Mayor? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's Mother Gunner special night. She was in that group. And Rocky came, and he spent all one whole day riding the two-year-olds to see if there was one he wanted. And he changed leads both ways on every horse there. None of that running around the arena you're talking about. I mean, right there, 17 of them. He changed leads both ways clean on every one of them. They never had a lead change ever attempted. That's the guy that knows where horses' feet are. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny you say that, too, because I used to do a lot of trail clinics, uh, like ranch horse trail stuff, and one of the most simple – and I'd have a good riders in there. There'd be some good riders in there. And I would tell them – I'd put a pole down on the ground, and I'd say, at a walk, we're all going to walk a big circle. And when you get to that pole, all I want you to do is lead with the left front foot. I want the left front mm-hmm. foot to go over that pole. Mm-hmm. And the percentages were 50-50 because – that's the odds, right? That's the odds. You ever, you ever walk a horse left, right, left, right, and they stop, and then walk them off, and, and their metronome is messed up? You know what I'm talking about? I never so thought about left, it. Left, right. Well, the next step should be left. But they go it's right. It's very rare that they go left, right, and they stop, and they stand there and walk off with the right first. That metronome still runs. Well, see, I think that exercise, whether you do the walk or trot, but beginners starting to walk, it teaches so much stuff. It teaches how to rate. Mm-hmm. It teaches rhythm, and that's the other thing I think that's mis- that's something we probably need to talk about in the future on uh, like a YouTube video or something is riding with rhythm. Mm-hmm. People don't ride. With- I equate it to riding a bike. If you want the bike to go forward, you pedal that thing. Right. If you want it to go fast, you pedal it hard. If you Pretty want good. it to go slow, you pedal it slow. Right. But you don't quit pedaling it unless you want to stop. Right. And I think horses are the same way, but there's so many people that think there's it's really easy to ride a horse. You kick him to go, and you pull him to stop. But that's that's not really riding. That's kind of hanging out. And that that's uh, elementary. Elementary, yeah. And some people need to be there. Everybody needs to be there when they start. Right. Everybody, but it's how it's how you progress and educate yourself. So I think that goes back to the perils of social media. It's a great thing. But uh, there's a lot of information out there that's probably advanced, too advanced, mm-hmm. or or not quite uh, good enough, maybe. Right. But so you think? I, I you, see it do all you use the time. it? Do you use social media? Like, how do you use YouTube or anything I, else? So I, no, no. If if you see something from me, it's somebody else did it. I mean, I look at it from time to time, but I don't have the thing on my phone. What do you call it? The little button the you push. I don't have that. <laughs> I have to go to the internet, log in with the passcode, look at it, log out, done. Because once I started doing that, I quit getting the, the crazy ads. Like, right. You know, like everybody says this, if we're sitting here talking, pretty soon there's an ad's going to show up on your phone about what you're talking yeah. about. And right. I'm, I mean, but I called you yesterday what. and you were, you were shooting a video. I wasn't shooting it. I was riding. That was Catherine. But it's, where's it going to go? Uh, sale video. Yeah. And and I think she put it on, sent it to some people, private message or something. Man, that's a big thing now, though. Everything, like horse sales, yeah. Facebook. But it's hard online. to make a video, man. That's that's another problem. Like, sometimes they just don't ride that good. You need to be able, I mean, they need to ride good to make a video. And everybody's like, well, send me a video today. I rode him this morning. Well, why'd you ride him so early? Because he was he's one of my better horses. I ride him first. If uh, George Midget used to say this, he said, ma'am, if I ride your horse after 4.30, you need a better horse. Oh, really? 
But it's hard to it's hard to make a video. I got a buddy that lives in North Texas, and he said if he turns a video camera on, they run and miss two stops in a row. He's out. Can't do it in front of the camera. So editing becomes really important then. Very important. And that's something else you have Man. to watch out about, about people taking something out of context. Video now they're videoing their horse riding around, you know. Yeah, well there's so many there's so many I'm learning I don't know anything about this stuff eight months ago and I've been tinkering with this taking the reins podcast, YouTube stuff and I've I've had to learn how to edit. I'm not great at it yet, but I'm learning and and it's and you start you start recognizing in other videos how good of editing absolutely yeah you yeah i'm sure you can <laughs> i can see like in the future especially now we're talking about you're talking about artificial intelligence do you know what chat gpt is no I, I, I don't either really but now we've got such great artificial intelligence that i know this from the student side that they can tell this artificial intelligence write me a three-page essay on george washington and poof right there so and this this is really something so i took a sales ad one of my students did from last year how we wrote it up and it was good i thought it was good we edit these things we look at it we think about it but she put it in using chat gp i think i'm saying that right she used ai yeah what it spit out was really good it was really good. It was much better than what, what we wrote. I think that's going to be so bad down the road. So I, was, I think it's going to be horrible down the road for especially young folks. Because I don't know how. I'm sure there'll be ways to be able to sort through it. Yeah. But I don't know how that is. And as an educator, I'm sitting there thinking, like, if I am grading chat GPT and not Rob. Right. Rob's not learning nothing. No. He's just another dummy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and that, but that's our like. I'm, I'm really, really proud of my my lineage and my. You know, we had some cavalry people from back in the day, and my daddy used to say that his granddaddy could uh, could roll a cigarette high loping horse. I mean, who can do that? You got to practice. You got to practice. <laughs> but but that's every day. I mean, you know, they grew up pulling, you know, plowing mules and riding in a wagon, and that's everybody used to do that. And I'd say when I went to high school, most of the kids could or had ridden a horse. Now you go to the local high school, how many, you know, 14, 15 year olds have ridden a horse? Have once. Not, had, had not in to. Mississippi. Right. But just, I mean, here is probably higher than most people because there's a lot of horses here, whether they're NRHA, AQHA, whatever. Most of them, barrel race rodeo, high school rodeo, little bridges, whatever. A lot of kids ride here, but that being said, there's a ton of kids that don't come up that way. They don't have that background, and then you don't. They don't have the experience, and it's pretty hard to get later in life. You were saying earlier we we're getting old. There's a lot of I I'm, I think we were on our generation on the tail end. Yes. Before, like yes. I remember my first cell phone. I got my first cell phone when I was almost out of undergrad. Right. Uh, so that was been like 20, 21, 22, somewhere when in that When I was ballpark. 21, I got a bag phone. And bag phones were, yeah. you were like high roller. You were high rolling <laughs> with a bag phone. And you had to, you open your door and you put the antenna right, up there and yep. you had to shut the, the cord up in the door. Here's the other thing I miss, especially for my kid, is, you know, when we were young 20s, what we did with friends was on a Friday night, you went to Hastings or 
Blockbuster and you looked at all the movies and you walked yeah. the row and you talked about them and right. you just hoped they had it in stock. And then you yeah. rented it, watched it, and then took it back. And had to rewind it. You had to you re- well, it that was before 20. Uh, before 20, that was like in the high school years. It was like years. a dollar yeah. fine for not rewinding right, it or yeah, something. Be kind, rewind. Remember yeah. that sticker? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they had a Western section. They had all the sections, and, adventure and just, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it was just um, – and now, I mean, like you look on Netflix or whatever those things are, it's all propaganda-based stuff to me. Well, and, and I can't find nothing. <laughs> nothing. So you're going to think nothing. this is crazy. I don't know if I've told you this before or not, but this is this is not exaggerated. This is the truth. I grew up in high school all the way till I left home at 17. We had one channel. Channel 6, KBTX, I mm. believe, out of Shreveport. Then we got off the antenna, which was on the side of the house. We had a black and white TV. And I don't ever – I remember Thursday nights, the Cosbys came on. I remember, you know, we sat yeah. down as a family and watched some TV. I 30 minutes a week that I was allowed to watch TV. Cat scratch feet. Everybody right hang on. Cat scratching there. <laughs> got him. But, real, real horse barn there. Right. Um, but, but, you know, that's the thing is I go – now I got – we got everything right. Netflix. We got you Amazon. You can spend six hours just flicking channels. We do looking it. Looking for something to watch. Nothing to watch. Nothing to watch. My eight-year-old sits there and she's like, I can't find nothing to watch. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's like 400 options. And I, but I think that's the problem. And it goes back to our conversation again, trying to figure out if I'm new to the horse deal. I'm trying to figure out what is the proper way mm-hmm. to do this or do that. I got 40 options. Which one's the right one? Keep it simple. Keep it simple. I agree. Keep it simple. Yeah. And like you can get, I got some buddies that they go off the riz on, I, I found this, this deal that's, man, you got to try this. And, and, and then I've got some older friends that, like what I mentioned earlier, old man horse training, where his feet, it's his feet. If his feet are moving right, his neck's going to be good. You know what I mean? Yeah. If he's if he's driving from behind, he's got his withers up. His neck's going to be where God intended it to be. You can see it all day long, and I'm as guilty as anybody. Shove that neck down there, on like on a Western Pleasure horse. You shove that neck down there, and you overbridle him. What his front feet aren't going to pass his nose. Right. I don't care how big a step he takes. His front feet go too heavy on the front. I mean, but if they come up here, they raise their feet up here. They're not stretching out here mm-hmm. in front of them. And reining horses the same way. You ask about you didn't ask. You said about asking a question. Run, a reining horse is running down the pen. Well, his whole life he lopes off. He's up like we talked about. Mike. He's on the bridle. He's running down the pen. Boom! Drags his butt. Well, here before too long, he starts anticipating that corner with the rookie rider, non-pro rider. Well, he, that horse is the first part of his life. Loose rein or on the bit. Draw. He he stops. Great. Now you've got the non-pro rider, limited rookie, green, whatever you want to call it. The horse starts getting high around the corner. They pick the reins up and hold him. You've judged enough. You know exactly what I'm about to say. They get past the first marker. They're holding him. The horse is wanting to charge. They get past the center marker. They throw their hand down. What does the horse do every time? He slows down. So they retrain that horse. They're not thinking about what his mind is thinking, which I think I think about Gaetan Gautier every day. I, I thank him every day for teaching me how to think like a horse like that. Yeah, but that's the old man horse training. 
Well, it's funny you, th- you said that, and I immediately thought when Tail Edgman was working for Casey Deary, yeah. I've relied on those guys quite a bit when I was in Texas, and I had I had seen it so many times on that exact sam- example you're using. I couldn't I couldn't get this horse to run. So when mm-hmm. I when I was trying to like do rundowns, thinking about fencing, he wouldn't run. I knew and I knew there was more to it. Like and you're kicking him the whole you time. You kick him. Yeah. And I called Tail, and, and, and then Tail wound up coming and riding with me. Uh, he was in town that week or something, and he says, um, when you kick him, do you hear him? what he's doing? I said, yeah, I hear him. He's going, uh. Mm-hmm. He said, do you know what that is? I said, I don't know. And he'd kick him harder? He's like, no, no, no. He's like, they're holding their breath. Yeah. So, and automatically holding their breath, they're not running. And running makes them breathe. Yeah. Look at a thoroughbred. Yeah. And so it's those little things that you guys that ride 15 a day every day or more, Y'all pick up on another one. He tell I, I, I it's a long story, but I would call tell and be like, we "Man, got I got this problem, and I've been working on it for two months." And tell will go, "Well, did you do this?" I, no, so try that. Five minutes later, poof, yeah, fixed. Yeah, uh, it's just those little things that he's paying little attention things. to because he's riding them all day, every day. You got You got to train through that metronome. I mm-hmm. call it. that's that's what I tell myself every day. His feet do this. Every horse does this. Uh, you mentioned a minute ago, like little things that you picked up on. Um, we're talking about videos. Do you ever listen to or watch Teddy Robinson's cow horse video? It's awesome. He says one thing there. He said it's so simple, and it was like a light bulb moment. We all do this exercise where we flex them right and left, you know, see if we can make their face go without the mm-hmm. shoulders moving. And he flexed them. He's like, when I flex my horses, I want their nose coming back to me. But he said, I'm watching the ear. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. He's like, I want the inside ear up. If the inside ear's up, I know his shoulders are yeah. up. I never forgot that. I use it. I use it a lot. And Andrea taught, he, I don't know that he would know that he taught me, but he told me about loping a horse where you want 50% of one ear on you all the time. When those ears go up, you need to do something. Steer, bridling back up. Steer, bridle him back up, do something. Put your hand back down. Let him get in trouble. Which in trouble would be he's not paying attention to you. He's paying attention to something external. But when 100% or 100% here, 80% here, he wants 50% of one ear on him all the time. That way he's paying attention because of their ears or their eyes, mm-hmm. you know, to me. Well, that's something you, you said, too, there that I don't think you can get off social media watching videos, that kind of thing. I know you can, whether it's DVDs or YouTube, the correction time, mm-hmm. you just alluded to, let them make mistakes. I, mm-hmm. I say that so many times too. It's like, so I did this exercise on a few horses when I'm running circles. I, coming back through the middle is where you always, where I seem to have a lot of problems because mm-hmm. obviously you don't have a fence. You're in the middle. They've been anticipating yeah. going the other direction, whatever. Put your hand down, lean Put the way he wants down. to go. Yeah. Put your hand down, don't guide. So I was micromanaging. Well, yeah. I won't go into the exercise, but I'm learning this exercise to do with, so I don't have to guide through the middle. Mm-hmm. Just teach him to stay on the circle. And when I run through the circle, after I taught this horse what I wanted to, I feel him leave the circle, like his body drifts off to the right. And I and I led him, and I just about to pick him up, and he moved back in. Yeah. And he knew. I was like, oh my gosh, it made mm-hmm. me think like his mind. Like, I'm going to go out here. Oh, that's not the right place to be. I'm going to go back. And so for me, that horse was working on his own and thinking on his own. And that was kind of a a good moment for me. And that's awesome. And that's something I learned from Gaetan. He told me, he said, you don't ever teach a horse where he's supposed to be. Ever. 
but you teach him everywhere he's not supposed to be and he will be in the right position you know if, if you want to get that horse to turn around faster you go trot that sucker and when he spins you let him go but don't do the green rainer deal where you hold your spur and him turning the whole time he's going to start ringing his tail looking out here dropping his shoulders sticking his neck out here you know yeah so then the spin turns into a bad thing and that's something you can't teach off of you can tell somebody how to do something but knowing the horse and it's kind of like teaching first grade if i'm going to ask the question of what's five plus five there but a lot of kids that don't know but i'm not going to reprimand them get upset with them get too harsh with them i'm just simply going to ask the question again and listen to the response right. whereas an aged horse eight no no let's try again <laughs> and it might be encouraging right it might be like yeah. hey no that's that's not quite correct let's try again yeah but uh, but an older horse, I may have a different approach to. But see, that's the hard part to teach, I think, too, that you can't do on a video is, or social media by telling somebody they got to feel it, like you were yeah. saying. Yeah, and and then it's just like a when you get a horse in that's six years old, you don't know what he's been through. But if you work him long enough, he'll tell you, I, this is what I've been through. And maybe he's been abused. Maybe he's been cheated a little bit maybe he's been uh mismanaged as far as hey we just let you run around the corner and run and we're we're gonna play hey he stops great just run down there and stop all day well, pretty soon you get that horse now he's running off and he's setting up and he's doing all that stuff and you gotta you can't beat him up you can't jerk and spur on him if he thinks he's doing the right thing does that make sense mm -hmm. and you have to show him no here's another way and i think i've i've matured immensely over that there's not a spur mark in this barn there's a there's a there's a good way to do things the simplistic form of training the in the most simplistic way to explain it for me would be i ask i listen and then i reinforce and that sounds so simple but cueing's got to be consistent and i most importantly have got to be a good interpreter of what this thing's telling me oh man and then I got to know how to reinforce it, right? Yes, sir. So that's the part I think we're, we're missing, and that's the part I don't think you can get. So this whole thing we've been talking about, kind of, I think it was, I think this is a whole discussion on social media and influence it has on us as people in many aspects. But horse trains, what we're talking about, there's a lot. You of, can't get a lot out of that. You can't get all. You can't get the full story out of it. Yeah. Well, I think you got to be again going. You got to be selective. Like, I, I, you got to build rapport, too. Like, I, I trust yes, your opinion. So, yes, sir. And I know if I need – that's like my example to tell. He knows what he's talking about, so that's who I call. And yeah. I'm not going to call somebody that I don't you – know, got different stroke for different folks. Some of us are good at one thing and not good at others. And so yeah. – Well, that's like uh, Dr. Seuss. Those that mind don't matter, and those that matter don't mind. Right. Yeah. But if uh, I got a toothache, I ain't going to call Rob either. I'm not going to ask his opinion on how to get rid of a toothache. Oh, we'll get it out. Actually, <laughs> I call a dentist. <laughs> Social media has its place. We can't put all our chips in there and say, I don't need to go to the barn and hang out and learn in person just because I can pull it off the Internet. Right. Um, but I think we do rely on that quite a bit. And we were talking about video and earlier. <clears throat> when we send a, a video out, it better be where anybody can see it. And what I mean by that is with the technology that we have, if it's not that good, but it's as good as that horse can be, the owner might send it to their friend, and their friend sends it to their friend, and their friend sends it to their trainer. And, then, and if it's really good, 
they'll send it to their friend and they'll send it to their friend being proud of their horse. Next thing you know, a top level guy sees it. I need that horse. And that, that's a, you have to be careful with that because they will get, that good video will get out. So will the bad one. Right. Um, and, and, and those guys, those top guys are looking for those horses all the time. And if you get one, you might ought to keep it quiet a little bit. You know what I mean? Just because you don't tr trust where it's going to go or? Oh, they'll come get them. Come get them. Yeah. They'll come get them. With our discussion on social media, you, I think people do judge books by their cover. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about like uh, you better have a good product. You stick out. You got to be selective, right? Right. Putting your products out there because it's your brand. And you know. so we are we're we're close to an hour here. So let's do another one. Um, I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna ask you a tough question here again because I think it's good to close on tough questions. So we were just talking about our childhoods, right? Mm -hmm. And I when we're mid forties. Ain't that old? No, we're not that old. No. But old enough, there's been such a rapid change. That we're experienced. That we've ex we are experienced. There's been such a rapid change in all that we've talked about. Talked about having one channel when I was a kid. Talked about going to Blockbuster and mm -hmm. renting movies. Now we can get anything we want at the drop of a hat. And the horse business has evolved with that dramatically. Yes. Where, where are we going? What's the next thing? There was some discussion on an, another podcast where the NRHA judges talk about major events. And they had talked about the possibility of AI judging the show. Mm. I don't think that's good. I don't know. I, I've seen so many changes in the horse business. We went from AQHA was the only place to show. If you wanted to go NRHA, you had to go to Ohio or the Chicopee Woods Ag Center over in Georgia um, or Texas like they had an, and they had one NRHA at, at Dixie National one NRHA show at the Texas Classic I think that's where it was and the reigning fraternity but they, they I think they moved the reigning fraternity in 85 because Craig Johnson went on Lucky Bay Glow I think that's the right year so that was before I really started doing it but the people started getting involved in it and we had the Mississippi affiliate, Alabama had one, Louisiana had one, Arkansas had one, Tennessee had one. And I, we hauled five title horses in one form or fashion of another for five years in a row. And you, the furthest place that we drove to was Williamston, North Carolina. And so the title race was, and this is gonna be a long answer, but the title race was who won the most money that year in that class. So we could go to Forest, Mississippi for six days of showing three times a year. So it was two days of showing three times a year. Six, that was six classes. Arkansas, six classes a year. Um, you'd go to Murfreesboro. They didn't have it in Memphis then. You'd go to Arab, Alabama. An unbelievable atmosphere. Like one of my favorite places in the world to go, rain or shine. For anybody listening, there's no cover there in Southside. Yeah, it's not it's not a glamorous place. No. We would go to uh, New Iberia, Louisiana, and these are like either a five hundred or a thousand added something, and you could put enough money on a horse, staying, you know, way under five hundred miles a weekend. The uh, comment you made about the artificial intelligence judging the horse show to me that rings a bell. I like sports. Yeah. So there's been all this discussion about umpires and mm -hmm. and baseball and whatnot. 
you know, this is the thing I, I can say from the judging side that I think is a problem. Everybody wants us to be the same. Like, and, and it's good we have great educational mm -hmm. tools now to get good and get consistent and not miss things. But the human error factor is I, I, I'm, I'm down with it. I like it. I but mean, at times it can be nobody's problematic, but it still gets it just it still kind of keeps it real. Nobody's perfect. Right. But I just went to a horse show, showing my three-year-olds for the first time. Out of the herd, in the rain, and down the fence. Now, was it perfect? Absolutely not. We had some issues, and everybody, Sean Flair, to talk, he taught me this. I said, what do you do when you lose? He said, I never lost. I either win or I learn something. So I took it. That was a learning experience for me. But I had a five-point spread three times out of six runs. Two judges. That's not good. That's not good. And we were going, I was at the Buckeye one year. But he marks me a 70. The next guy marks me a 74 and a half. The next guy marks me a 73 and a half. It matters who's sitting in the chair. Yeah. But I've also been on the other side, too. I'm judging. And I know, I'm telling you, when you've put in that many hours in a day, you miss stuff. I'd say with almost all the guys I judge with, we all want to get it right. Yeah. We do, and it's just, I don't know. I some days you have good days, some days you got bad days, some days you're <laughs> off. But you owe you owe the exhibitor. Yeah, you owe them that. Yeah. And I don't know what the solution is. I can, obviously, I'm like every, all the keyboard warriors. I can identify all the problems. But it's the same guys judging this horse show, and the same yes. guys judging this horse show, and the same guys judging this horse show. And, you know, I've had conversations with friends of mine in, in years prior that were going to judge a major event. And they don't want to go and see the three-year-old. Say they're going to judge the NRHA fraternity. They don't want to go watch Tulsa. No. They cared about it so much that they didn't want to have any preconceived ideas about, well, that horse fell out of lead, so I'm going to yeah, watch no it. No bias. Oh, well, yeah. I zeroed that circle. Why'd you zero it? Well, I didn't see how good it was. I was watching to make sure he didn't fall out of lead. And things can and, happen, man. I'm telling yeah. you what, they can happen. But I think, I don't know, like you, I don't have the right answer, but I can tell you the wrong one. That's artificial intelligence and judging our horse show. That would be terrible. I don't want that. I always appreciate you talking, Rob, for sure. And uh, appreciate all the good conversation we had about social media and its input in the horse business. Thank you for joining us on Taking the Reins. A special thank you goes to the Mississippi State Extension Service and the MSU Animal and Dairy Sciences Department. Please visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Taking the Reins Podcast.